0: Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. But today we'll be in Luke chapter 15. You can go ahead and turn there to Luke uh, chapter 15 as we continue on uh, in our study, our our series called uh, A Greater Story. And what we've been doing for really most of, Uh, a year now, is we've been looking at uh, really an overview of the Bible and what is uh, the the greater story, like what does it all mean? These 66 books, um, what what are they all pointing to? And what we've been learning is that uh, Jesus is kind of the, the focal point and we're really building up into Easter. And so now we're in the part of the story where we're actually getting to see Jesus do ministry. We're getting to see the things he taught the things he did, and uh, and man, it's just really awesome to kind of see our Savior at work. So if you'll join me in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, we're going to read through 32, I'm going to pray, and we're going to hop into the message. This is what God's Word says. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen in that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said... And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Lord, as we've read your word, uh, God, I I pray right now, uh, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you are indeed, as we sang, you are worthy. You are good. Your word is powerful. And so, God, I pray in this time, would you help me, Father? Would you help me to say the things you want me to say? Uh, God, I I pray right now that you would use this time well, that, um, Lord, that that, uh, I would get out of the way, and, Lord, you would just have your way in this time. I pray as we read a beautiful picture of your heart, God, I pray that all distractions will fall away and we have eyes to see, hearts open to hear it. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have to say, uh, I'm excited for today. This passage is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Many of the the characters in this parable, I feel like I've been them at one time or another. Maybe some of you that have been following the Lord, you can really relate with some of the characters. Uh, But today, I really want to center in on the Father heart of God, the love of God the Father. Okay, And I really want to start out by sharing some stats with you about God's good design and that we all were designed to be loved by a Father. Right, that, that is in God's uniqueness sign that we believe that God the Father created all things, that there is a God, and that uh, he is good, and that this is his word. That we believe that this is God's divinely written word to us so that we may know God our Father. Right? That's why I preach it, and man, if I ever get up here and I start preaching something that's not in here, man, that's, you, you guys, I'm telling you, you need to go somewhere else. All the power comes from his word, this divine creator, but I wanna kind of back this up in that we were designed to be loved by a father. Now, I'm talking about our heavenly father, but I wanna talk through some stats about earthly fathers. Did you know that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes? 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders ...come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers... ...come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions... ...come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths sitting in prisons... ...grew up in fatherless homes. And so I'd love to share where all those things, those come from trusted sources. But I think, could we all agree that we are designed to have a relationship with our earthly father? Can we just say that? That obviously, if if all these things are happening, there is obviously some sort of design, some sort of creator that has made these things to operate in a way that is good, that's good for human flourishing, And when we begin to operate outside of God's design, we begin to see things fall apart and be broken. Amen? And so what I'm trying to show you is this, is that we are designed for a relationship with our earthly father. Now, I know for many, this may touch some really sore spots. Some some, this this is very sore, right? And maybe for some, you understand fatherlessness and, and the wounds it brings. For some, maybe you have a father, but you've been wounded deeply. And that someone that was designed to be a protector and someone to lead and shepherd just did not do that for whatever reason, right? And then some of us, maybe we had good fathers, but there was a a game he didn't show up to. There were a couple weeks he was going at work when you really needed him. And then I think all of us to a degree have experienced the earthly father wound. I heard a guy say one time that, that churches, this is the thing that churches need to address the most. Right? and that many of our problems in society and in our country are from brokenness and operating outside of God's design. But I want you to know something, as maybe this is kind of a, a deep thing right off the rip. Um, I, I want you to hear this. Even if you had a father who showed up at every game, who never missed an important event in your life, who was always there at every single moment when you needed him, was a perfect shepherd, even the best dads are simply a shadow of our heavenly father. At their very best, it is a glimpse, it is just a, a shadow of God, of a heavenly father who is always there, who never leaves you, who never forsakes you, who has been with you and has been with you in all of your hurts and pains. And in fact, I would say this, fathers, I want to encourage you. Our our job, our responsibility is that in the way we love our families is that we point people to God the Father. That's our ultimate job is that our children would see through us and they would see their Heavenly Father through our lives. And so what I want you to see is this, is that we were designed for an earthly relationship with our Father. But the ultimate design is that we would have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Do that again. That is the ultimate. It's you are designed to have a father in heaven and to be in relationship with him. That is why he created you. And so today, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The main point of the sermon is I want you to understand the love of the father. Today, and maybe you've never pondered this, but I, as long as you leave understanding the love of God, the father, I will have done what I felt God has called me to do today in the next 35 minutes or so. And so to understand the love of the Father, we have to understand the context of this passage. So in Luke 15, 1 and 2, um, basically what's happening, Jesus begins teaching, and sinners and tax collectors are drawn to him. You guys will remember last week we talked about Zacchaeus, and and Jesus went to Zacchaeus, and and Zacchaeus went to uh, Jesus. And we begin to see that Jesus attracted the people that people didn't expect Jesus to attract, we already talked about it, the tax collectors were the worst of the worst. And so sinners were being drawn to Jesus. And then in verse 2, we learn that the tax collectors were muttering, Jesus has gone to eat with sinners. And what Pharisees were, these were the religious elites. These were the best of the best, the ones that could keep the rules of the Bible as good as anyone. Right? And they they could not figure it out. And so what Jesus does is he begins to teach in three parables. And in these parables, he is addressing these Pharisees. Okay, These are the folks that could not understand and really were uh, disgusted at Jesus that he would spend time with sinners. And really this parable we just read is addressing Pharisees. And so I want you to understand something here. Okay, uh, the, the, the parable is about those last verses, 28 through 32, uh, when he talks about the older brother who is basically furious, that his younger brother who has spoiled all his father's stuff comes back home and the father gets fired up about it. The older brother is angry. He can't celebrate that his lost brother's been found because he feels like God hasn't seen his own self-righteousness. And what he's doing is showing them, the Pharisees, that, hey, you guys are the older brother here and this is wrong. And the Pharisees had no understanding. I want you to hear this. The Pharisees had no understanding of the Father's heart because they did not have a relationship with the Father. Hear that again. And that they were caught up in religion. I want you to hear this from me, that it is about a relationship with God and nothing to do with religion. And that's really what he's addressing here is that you guys are missing it. See, Jesus attracted sinners while Pharisees repelled them. Now listen, what does this say about the state of the church today? That the Pharisees repelled sinners, but Jesus drew them. Lost sinners came to Jesus because he cared for them. He understood their needs and tried to help them. While the Pharisees criticized them and kept their distance. Warren Wearsby said it like this. Pharisees had a knowledge of the Old Testament and a desire for personal purity, yet they had no love for lost souls. So today I, I want you to hear this and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want us to fall on the air of the Pharisees, but I want you to see the heart of the father. So the first thing I want you to see in this story to really understand is a rebellious son, a rebellious son. And so in verses 11 and 12, we see the son do something very, very strange for this culture. It says that he goes to his father and he says, father, verse 12, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Verse 13, it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and he squandered his wealth in wild living. And so basically what's happening here is that the son knows the father, like he, has, uh, he understands the love of a dad that cares for him and says, hey dad, I want my share of my inheritance, which is your stuff. I wanna take mine and I'm going to go do what I want with it. Now, this may seem not a big deal, but I I want you to know that there is no precedent in the customs of Jewish and Arab culture for a father to divide his property with his children before his death. Like This would have been the insults of insults. This would have been unheard of, of. Basically, what it would be like is a younger son, a baby brother, going to a father and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff so much, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine and I want to go. And the result of this insult uh, in that culture, what most fathers would do is that they would beat the son into submission and say, hey, get back in line. You are crazy. Or either the second thing, they would say, I'm disowning you. You're gone. But what the father does is we don't even see him get upset. He divides the portion. He gives the son his inheritance and lets him go where he wants to go. He allows him to take his stuff Um, and to go and so um, in in these parables there's 99 sheep and in the first part there's 99 sheep and and it says that one walks off and God goes to get him and it says he rejoices when a lost sheep is found well sheep are careless in the second parable right up under in chapter 15 uh, we see 10 coins that a woman has she drops one it becomes lost and it says that the lady sweeps the whole house until she finds the lost coin and it says all of heaven rejoices well, lost coins happen through carelessness. But in this passage, the son leaves for outright rebellion. Like he, he is saying, God, I don't want you. I want to go my own way. And maybe for some of us, man, we have a hard time understanding this. But maybe for some, you need to go back to when we were about 16 years old. You guys tracking with me? All I needed was my keys, man. I was ready. I didn't need my dad to tell everything. I knew it all already. Just give me my keys. Make sure I got gas money. Dad, I know how to do my life. Can anybody relate? Let me hear an amen or something, okay? You guys remember 13, 14, 15, 16, and that, man, we think we've got it all on our own, and the greatest thing we want is to be independent of our parents, That's what we desire. That's what we want. We want to go our own way and to do our own thing. And there's this rebelliousness of our parents. They don't know what they're doing. I can do a better job than they can of living life. And so we go, and then what many call, we sow our wild oats, right? We go and we run off. But see, I wanted to take you back to something here of what we're seeing has been really a part of a greater story the entire time we've been together. And that our problem originates in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit in the garden, what they were saying was, God, I want to be independent of you. Lord, I want to go my own way. And it starts all the way back. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sin is rebellion against God's good design. Sin is rebellion against God's good design. And so he rebelled against the father's love. He goes out and he takes all his dad's stuff and he goes to live how he wants to live. And it says he squanders it. Imagine half of your dad's stuff, it's gone. And what I think we can learn here and take this with you, living apart from the Father's design does not go well. If you don't agree, I want you to think about it. When we desire and crave that, that new car and we think that we will be satisfied when we get that one thing we've longed for, how long does that feeling satisfy us? How long when we want to remodel our home or maybe we want to get to that next thing, that next thing on our list. And we think about, man, as I get wealth, I can spend it just how I want. And even when we get the finer things in life, we find that it does not satisfy. Am I, are you guys tracking with me here? And that he was squandering in trying to gain more and more and more and thinking that it would satisfy. But we learned that it ultimately left him Broken. I think about it when it comes to sin of outside of God's design. When we live sexually outside of God's design, right, it leads to brokenness and pain. And that we said it last week, that sin always overpromises; it always underdelivers. And as we dive more into it, the more and more broken we find ourselves. I'd say at Wiersbe had this to say, he said, a prodigal son learned a hard lesson. You can't enjoy the things money can buy if you ignore the things that money can't buy. We can't enjoy the things money can buy if we ignore the things money can't buy. And really, I think all of us, when we think about the prodigal son, to some shape, form, or another, we have all gone through times of rebellion in our life. I want to. I want to share my story of you know I I don't have this story of just going absolutely bananas and just wrecking my life by all the earthly standards. No, what my life looked like was this: is that I had a pretty good life on the outside, was kind of living life how I wanted, didn't do too bad, and student like Sure, I would go out but every college kid does that right and so i didn't do too bad and and i had some good friends i had um a pretty girlfriend and and like by the world's standards i had everything a young man should want i should be full right like as i was living in my distant country doing life the way i wanted to do it um man i woke up and you know what haunted me it was a life without purpose and that my life is exactly how I think I want it at this time. But I wake up and thank God, I don't know why I wake up. Lord I, Lord, I need something different. And man, when I found the gospel, he found me in that lowest of low place. And he um, delivered me from those things. And so I, I want you to take something with you here about sin. Sin promises freedom, but only brings slavery. It looked like freedom, but it brought him to slavery. Sin promises success, but only brings failure. Sin promises it looks good, but it leads us right here in a broken spot. And then lastly, hear this. Sin promises us life, but the wages of sin is death. And those are things we can take and begin to see. And we see that this son, living in rebellion outside of God's design, it did not go well. And the son had to learn a hard lesson. But in verse 17, we see that the son had a repentant heart. A repentant heart. So maybe you're thinking on that, and you're thinking about your time in rebellion, and you're thinking about um, what does it look like to have a repentant heart? Well, look with me in verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I believe this is the point when he finally realized, hey, you know what? Like, I've messed up, like royally. Like, I, I have spent my father's stuff, and I'm out here eating with pigs. Now, I, I come from some stockyard background. This is some nasty things. You hear me? Y'all like them ribs and all. Y'all don't like how they made, I promise you, right? I know y'all picking the part. I saw some of y'all out there, man, crushing. Listen, it's a lot better on the back end than the front end. You understand? Pigs are nasty creatures. And so he got to the place where he realized that his independence had come at a high price. In fact, for him being a Jewish boy, Okay, take this with you. Um, Jews, that for Jews, pigs were unclean animals. Like if you ate them, if you associated with them, you were at the lowest of low. Not only was he eating with pigs, he was making a living with them. He was at the lowest of low. He had spent everything he had and finally his pain got so high that it prodded him to go home. I believe some of the greatest graces God can give us is that our pain brings us to a place where we have no other choice but run to God. I believe that. In fact, take this with you if you're taking notes. Um, sometimes our deepest pain, that, it's in our deepest pain that we're prided to go home. Hear that again. It's sometimes in our deepest pain that it's the greatest grace in our life that we finally come to the point where it's time to go to God. And listen, don't be ashamed of that. It's a grace. It's a grace this man experienced. He said, it's time for me to humble myself and it's time to go home. See, he didn't need to work he needed to go home and be forgiven. And so I want you to meditate on that and ask yourself the question, Okay, have I come to that place where I've reached the lowest of low? Can you relate with the prodigal son here, the one that has finally reached a lowest of low? Tell you guys a quick story. And, and uh, my, my wife and I have experienced some of this. Of, of we, we have two, two boys and it's really crazy how much this story speaks to my life because we've had them kind of all over the place in the different places in this story but i've had a son where where i feel like he looked me right in the eyes and said i love you i thank you for what you've done but i don't want it I, I want to go my own way and my prayer for a year and a half i want you guys to hear this for a year and a half is lord would you humble him and god would he be tired of eating with the pigs lord lord would you and I want you guys to know something of all the, the, the things moving in this story of, of I have seen God hear my prayer from heaven and to reach him at that point in a way that only God could, right? And, and, and we have to get to the point, and maybe for some that are prodigals or you have prodigals in your life, the greatest prayer could be, God, would you come and bring them to the end of themselves? Of all that they're trying to find, would they get to the bottom of that well and find it to be empty? And Lord, would they come to the place where it's time to turn and come home? That's a great prayer and something we can see in this passage. But when it comes time to repent, what does it look like? Take this with you. Repentance starts with humility. Repentance starts with humility. It comes with recognizing that I don't want to be where I am. Secondly, repentance comes with, uh, it's about a change of mind. That it's time to turn around and go back home. It's time to head back. And Then lastly, repentance means walking toward the Father. And listen. It is a beautiful thing. And as we're about to talk about here, this is nothing to be ashamed of. This is beautiful in the heart of God. We're about to see this, but we have to come to the place where we recognize that I have tried to do this my way and it does not work. I've tried everything I know to do to do life my way. And I've ended up again and again broken and hurting and empty. Whether it be a relationship, whether it be just doing things how I wanna do, I keep ending up Broken, But the beautiful part is when we recognize the brokenness and we finally turn and say, I'm done. And we start heading back. And I want you to know something, that as we grow in our faith in Jesus and as we head back to the Father over and over and over again, listen, here's the deal. We have to take the time to turn and to go back. See, we live in a society, I want you to take this with you, okay? We live in a society where we want God to bless us as we eat with pigs. We have a society where we want the favor and the love and the blessing of God as we do life our way. But listen, our Father knows what's best. He is the designer, the author and the perfecter of our fate, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. So take this with you. You can't eat with pigs and walk with the Father. So as we... Man... And so as he turned home, let's see what happens. And, And think about it. I want you to put yourself in the prodigal shoes here. Of you have taken half your dad's stuff and you have blown it. Everything he has. Think about the town you grew up in. Of you're the son that did the unheard of. The worst of the worst. This would be like saying I want my dad dead. Think about the guilt and the shame of going back home. Think about the the frustration and the the hurt that you might come up over that hill and people are going to throw rocks. They're going to judge you. They're going to call you sorry. What is my father going to do? He's saying like, man, i work, Dad. Like I may have to be a slave for my dad. He may beat me. He may not let me come home because it's scary going back home. But this is so important. He was met with a joyful celebration, a joyful celebration. Read with me verse 21. It says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He hasn't understood the heart of the father yet. And many of us, until we repent and are broken, we think that we've got to pay for our sins for 50 years before we're loved. That's wrong, man. Listen, he's still thinking this way of, man, if I have to own up to all the stuff I've done, this is gonna be horrible. But listen, it says in verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and a celebration. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And what do we see? And this is a picture of the father heart of God. In that this house is heaven. It's a symbol of heaven. And the father, when a son came home, they didn't point at him. They celebrated He killed the fattened calf. Now listen, this is the significance of this. The finest robe. This is symbolic of honor and respect. The son who deserved to be a slave was celebrated with honor. Listen, uh, take this with you. Uh, The ring, a family ring, this is a symbol that I love Carly and always will, as long as God has me on this earth. But a family ring was a, a symbol of authority in a family, he was saying, son, you, you are my son. You have come into this family. Like, you're not, no, you're not gonna be down there. You're a family member. Sandals, listen, in this time period, you need to take this with you. Slaves were barefoot, sons wore sandals. Slaves were barefoot. He's saying, son, you're not a slave, but I'm giving you sandals because you are my son. And the fattened calf, this is a rare delicacy, Okay. This is a rare delicacy. This was celebrated and cut and used in the presence of an honored guest. He says, I'm just honored that you came back home. And so we see that God celebrates. When we come, no matter how broken, man, when we come over the hill, we see that God celebrates. But really, I want to look at the house of God. We're going to get to the Father in a second. But we see that there is joyful expectation, joyful celebrating. And as I prayed, I'm like, man, how can we apply this to our life? I want to address religion here, okay? Because how many times do people not respond to the call of God for fear of what people around them might say? You know, if we, if we, what if we responded? What if I came home to God? And, and uh, man, what would people say if I came home, Right? And that this is the heart of religion. Man, if I went down and prayed, y'all ever been in a place I say, well, I wonder what they did this weekend, right? And man, it is a beautiful thing in that fact, humility and repentance and being broken before the Lord, it is the mark of a healthy believer and it is the mark of a healthy church. And I'll just say this, when someone gives their life to Christ, when people come to be broken before the Lord, that come back and say, God, I'm ready to come back home, it is something we should celebrate, Right, And it's something that, that we should do, we should be about, and we should celebrate the right things. Because you see in verses 28 through 32, the older brother's like, this is bull. Why do y'all celebrate this guy? I've come to Sunday school for 30 years. Y'all ain't throwing me one darn party, right? I've been here, I've been here for forever. You know, Father, what are we doing? He said, God, I've been slaving for you. I've been trying to live right. I've been showing up. I've been serving, I've been doing these things. Listen, and some of you, we need to take this with us. There's a big difference between slaving for God and walking with God. There's a big difference between slaving for and walking with and that God's heart is not so we may become more self-righteous so that others may celebrate us, but that we may become more Christ-like so others may meet him. This is, man, I'm telling you, this is a word our part of the world needs to hear. We need to celebrate the things God celebrates. We're baptized the next weekend, and there are some incredible stories. And listen, we gotta be joyful about these things because by golly, if heaven celebrates them, we should celebrate them. Amen? That's just true, man. Because I... I, you know, if we start all looking nice and neat, and, and I, I just got to share this if we start looking nice and neat, and I keep preaching the gospel, and nobody is moved, or we don't see any brokenness or confession, if we start looking all nice and neat and pretty, I'm going to get nervous because no one around Jesus looked that way. If this doesn't feel a little grimy, we, we are missing it. It should feel a little grimy because this is what Jesus' ministry looked like. Because, see, we have to be captains, our people celebrate. Because when we celebrate the wrong things, what happens are people that sit in Sunday school for 40 years, they never make a disciple and wonder why their church is dying. That's just true, man. And that our hearts should break and celebrate the things that God celebrates. And that's why I say I love you each week. Man, I do, because God does. He does, man. He is fired up that you're here. (laughs) It just is. And so we see that we need to be joyfully celebrating the things that God celebrates. And now, the main point of this message is I've wanted you to see the heart of God. We've seen a rebellious son who took God's stuff, the father's stuff, and spent it. We've seen that he got to the place of repentance and he humbled himself and he said, even though this might be painful, I'm going back home. We've seen that... um, that all of the house of God celebrated and were joyful. You see that in this earlier parable? It says that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one lost sheep that comes home than 99 that that don't need help. And now, I just want you to focus on the loving father, a loving father. And that as it was unprecedented that a son would leave, that a son would take his stuff and go, I want you to see something here, that God did not cut the sun off. You know what I mean? Like, like when the sun came over the hill, the only reason you would see a son, at the, and I know the pain of rejection for that the wound was open, and I know the pain of rejection from family. I, I, I know that in my bones. And I needed some, some godly love that I didn't possess in my flesh, but I needed it in my spirit. And that it is much more painful to leave the way open for people to come home. Listen, if you're wondering why Jesus hasn't come back to earth yet and undone all this stuff we're walking in, it's because as people are living in rebellion and squandering God's stuff, God leaves that wound open and allows patiently for more sons to come over that hill. That's Why? He chooses to leave the wound open of people he designed to know him and to love him and to live in his purposes. He left that wound open so that there's a way home. That's a loving father that would do that. It would be so much easier to just deaden the wound. It's like ripping a scab open over and over and over again. It'd be so much easier to just put a band-aid on it and say, get gone." But he, he, he leaves the wound open so that brothers and sisters may come home. And you think and put yourself in the father's shoes of when that brother, when that son comes over who's spent, spent all your stuff, how would he react? Would it be humiliation that here's my son and maybe he looks like he's pretty rough? Would the father be angry of like, I told you so? Would the father say, don't even come, you're dead to me? What would the father say? But what we learn is this, is that the father went running. Look with me in verse 20 and if you tune me out, it's cool, listen right now, okay? It says, so he got up and he went to the father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. In this time in the Middle East, a man of distinguished honor would never run. Kind of goes back to Zacchaeus last week. When you run with garments, you're gonna, it's going to be shamefully exposing yourself. Like a man, of, like you're supposed to walk, run and make himself look silly. No one would do that. That's shameful. Like you're supposed to walk with respect and honor. I want you to know something. In the original language, the word for run is the same word that Paul used when he said, I'm running life's race. That means that dad went running with everything he had in himself. Everything he had, he went running to the sun. And you're saying, well, his robes would lift and his honor garments would show. It would be humiliating. It would be shameful. Listen, I want you to lean in. This is where the gospel is in this story. Because, see, our God the Father, in the perfect trinity, he sent his son running out of heaven. Out of the compassion for a lost and hurting world. world, he sent his son out of heaven running to a broken and hurt people. And the shame we see here is the shame our Savior met on the cross as he hung there and he died half naked for the sins of the world. He bore our shame on the cross. It was humiliating. It was shameful. And he ran out of heaven anyway to save us. And instead of the Son having to bear that shame, now listen, you remember that crowd? You remember that, that, that whole town around his father's house? They're probably going to ridicule that son. They're probably going to shame him, point at him, ridicule him. And can't you see the father running, Jesus running to the son, and even before he could get into the town, he covered him with his robe. That's his grace. That when we turn around, God clothes us with Jesus, his righteousness and shields us from shame, pain, guilt, and having to get beat up for the mistakes in your life, the rest of your life. God doesn't do it that way. Only he can do us and give us the one thing we don't deserve, and that's his righteousness. And what I want you to know today is you see this Father's love. This is the gospel I preach, man, and this is what it's about. And maybe it's been distorted, but this is how God loves you. And I talked about maybe we find ourselves, as you read this, you're like, man, I can really relate with the father. I can really relate with the son. I can really relate with the older brother. This is the deal. Whether you think you've spent everything and you've come to that broken place, maybe you've got this testimony, maybe you don't listen. All of us were the prodigal son before we came home. This isn't the bad people passage. This is the sinner passage, and that's what we all are until we meet our Savior Jesus. And so wherever you find yourself, there should be a joyful love. Those songs we sing about, this is the God we worship. And as I said earlier, man, this is the God we respond to appropriately. This is the God that we pray to, we repent to, we sing to, because this is what he has done, is sent Jesus running out of heaven. And so I've been praying all week, and I pray right now, of whatever God's doing in your life, man, you can respond. Prayer, brokenness, man, rejoicing. Like it It is free. God has made a way. And you already see what he gets excited about. And his brothers and sisters, it's his children coming home. I want to tell you that's what we get excited about. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the glorious gospel. Man, I, I thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that... You, you left the way. You made a way. God, I thank you that in my rebellion, you were patient, Lord. God, I, I thank you for that. I thank you for what you're doing in the city. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. And God, I just pray over each and every heart in this room right now. And if there's anyone that would say, but, like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to come home. I want a relationship with God, and I know it's going to take humility and repentance. And and man, that's simply it. And that I don't care who's around or what's going on. um, I I just know that today I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want to respond to the message. And I want to place my faith in Christ. If if that's you today and you would say, yes, I, I want a relationship with Jesus, would you just lift your hand? Is that anyone in the house today would say yes to Christ? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So ice is broken, man. We have people responding to the good news of Jesus. Um, so, man, God's just moving, and I want to pray for the rest of us. Of, of, Lord, whatever you're ministering to our hearts right now, I pray you would you would give us hearts to respond. Um, even if we don't know what that looks like, we just, we're just moved. Uh, man, that's okay. And God, we can trust that, that you love us, you're with us, and, and there's freedom in this place. You don't have to fear judgment, you don't have to fear you know, what, what others may think and all that. that. That's not what we're about here. Lord, we wanna be about your business. Lord, we wanna celebrate the things you celebrate. God, we wanna do the things that you want us to do. So, God, we love you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, man, if you'd like to come and pray, I'm going to be down here praying as the Lord stirs some things in my heart. Um, You're welcome to do that. If you feel the Lord leading you to take a next step, whether it's to, to say yes and to sign up, or, man, maybe it's to be baptized, to join heart and soul, stop by our next steps table on the way out. And then lastly... Don't forget, man, bring someone with you. Who has God put in your life to invite to come into the fellowship, the body of Christ? I love you guys more than you will ever know. It is my privilege uh, to be your pastor. And as we celebrate with one last song, God, I pray that we would worship the Lord well. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.